Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. What is it that Jesus looks like? I remember as a little boy growing up, uh, and in our church, we had one picture of Jesus. This was the photo that we had of Jesus. I thought that's what Jesus looked like. That was the Church of God photo of Jesus. And it's enshrined in Anderson uh, to prove that that's exactly what we believe Jesus looks like. Uh, That's what I thought he looked like. We had a photo of this at our church out in the lobby. And my grandma had a photo of this in the bedroom that when we stayed at her house, this was in the bedroom. I went to sleep looking at this picture of Jesus. I woke up looking at this picture of Jesus, and I just thought this is what Jesus looked like. So I decided this week to Google, what is it that Jesus looks like? And it's amazing what you get whenever you run across them. Here are just, uh, this is the first page. I didn't even scroll. And I felt so good because what I thought Jesus looked like was the first picture up there. And I knew that I was raised right because how I thought Jesus looked, we are first. And I went to the first church of God too, so we were first at everything. And so there are all kinds of photos that you can find of of what Jesus actually looked like. As Pastor Gary was, was speaking last week, he boldly told us that we have to reflect Christ. We've looked at the scriptures and what God has called us to do to reflect Christ. But you know, as Pastor Gary was speaking, the one thing that just hit me hard, and I I wrote this in my notes as he was speaking, the one thing that I feel the Lord said boldly, there was lots he said last week, but the one thing that was just, just kept coming back into my mind was this. If you want to reflect Christ, you have to know what Christ looks like. Amen? If you want to know how to reflect Christ, You better know how to reflect Christ. You better know what he looks like. Because if we want to look like something, we have to know what the something actually looks like. Pastor Gary read a couple of verses here in John chapter 1, and I went a little bit further in reading some of those. And Pastor Gary, and I I want to talk, he talked about, he talked about truth and love, truth and love. And we're going to come back to those two words, and we're going to build off of that today. But as I kept reading in 1 John, and I began to look at what the Lord, listen to what the Lord was saying last week, and then throughout this week as I was reflecting on that, I came back to John chapter 1, verse 14. Just one simple verse here. And this verse would not leave me alone throughout Sunday sermon and throughout the week. John says, as he is beginning to tell us what Jesus looks like, The beginning of John's writings to say, I have seen God in the flesh, and this is what he looks like. John says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This is what Jesus looks like. Despite the images that we create in our mind and despite the visual beautiful photos that people can paint to say this is what we think Jesus actually looks like. John is saying this is what God in the flesh actually looks like. This is where we have to build our theology. This has to be the foundation of who we are as children of God. And there are three words here that just totally blew my mind as I began to reflect on these three words. John said, we have seen his glory. The glory of God came and wrapped itself in flesh and lived here on the face of the earth. And John said, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. And then he said, this is who Jesus was. And the words that Pastor Gary shared with us last week, he is full of grace and truth, or love and truth. This is who Jesus was. This is who God is. And John said, listen, you can't separate these things. Because when you look at who God was in the flesh, wrapped in the flesh, living and camping out here on the earth, he was full of grace and truth. And I love how John actually put these words together. And we have this translation as John is telling the story of who he actually laid eyes on. The amazing word here to me is full. Full. Listen, if we want to reflect Jesus Christ, then we better figure out what this word full is here. Because Jesus was full of two things. The glory of God wrapped in flesh, living and camping out here on the earth, was full of two things. Grace and truth. You know what the Greek word and means there? It means and. It's full. He's got both of these things. You can't take a Jesus and say this is the grace Jesus. And you can't take another Jesus and say this is the truth Jesus. And they're two separate things. And when Jesus was dealing with um, the religious people that had perverted what was happening in the temple, that was the truth Jesus. No, 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 no. John says, in that moment, when Jesus was with the folks in the temple and he was turning over the tables, John says, in that moment, Jesus was full of grace and truth. We can't go to the woman at the well when Jesus is having a conversation with her and confronting her about her sin and then say that that was Jesus who was the grace Jesus. No, 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 because John says that Jesus was full at all time of grace and truth, and you can't separate those two things. If we go one more verse just a little bit further in John chapter 1, in verse 17, John continues this for us. He said, for the law was given through Moses, but then there was a change, John said. John said, in the Old Testament, we had the law, and that came to us through Moses. But then something changed. The glory of God, back to verse 14. The glory of God came again to the earth, the way that it was in the garden. But this time, it was a change. 
The glory of God wrapped himself in flesh and is camping out here on the earth. And then John says, after the law, we get grace and truth that came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth cannot be separated, but they can only be together in Jesus Christ. So I want to do a little bit of an experiment here for you. I know you get nervous when I pull out water. But I have water and I have salt. So let's pretend that the water is truth. And let's imagine that the salt is grace. I'm not going to make you drink it, so don't worry about it. So don't fear here. So we've got grace and truth all in one container. It's all wrapped up in one container here. And if I spend just a little moment here stirring this up, what you're going to see in this one container is grace and truth totally combined so that in this, they're inseparable. If this container was the glory of God, if this container wrapped itself up with two things, it wrapped itself up with grace and truth. So if I were to hand this out to you, and I were to say, separate the salt and water, you couldn't do it in this moment. You can't, once it's been mixed right now, and and you can't, now there's a process that you could do that. It's an expensive process. We've got a water problem in our country. In California, they're running out of drinking water. But to me, I think it's simple. Just pump it out of the Pacific Ocean, right? That's how we solve, there's tons of water out there. But you know why we, do, we don't do it? Because it is a complicated process and very, very, very expensive. And it takes a good bit of time to separate the salt and the water. Well, that's what it's like with this glory container holding inside of it grace and truth that right now can't be separated. That's what it is like when John tells us that Jesus... We saw the glory, he saw the glory of God, the container of God physically here on the earth. And inside of that container, it was full of grace and truth. And whenever we see Jesus, we cannot separate grace and truth. Listen, this is what we have to reflect as God's children. We have to always be filled with grace and truth. We can't separate it. We can't one time be grace and the next time be truth. We have to always be full of God's grace and truth. We are called to reflect who Christ was. And who Christ was, was full of grace and truth. The glory of God coming, wrapping himself in flesh, camping out here on the earth for some three, three, uh, for some three or so plus decades, and then inside of that container of the glory of God on the face of this earth, God in the flesh, he is full of grace and truth. But you know what happens? You know what happens to us? We become lazy in our faith 
And we are willing to let the world tell us what Jesus actually looks like. Now hear me. You can't let the world define what Jesus looked like. Because John defined it and told us what Jesus looked like and what we are to then reflect in John chapter 1. Full of grace and truth. This is who Jesus was. And we cannot say, let the world say, this is who Jesus was. And then get all combative and defensive about it. You know what our responsibility is as God's children? We have to dive into his word and make sure that we have the revelation of God of who Jesus actually was. And then live that out every single day. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. You know what happens though to us? We just have a natural tendency to lean one direction or the other direction when it comes to grace or truth. Sometimes our personalities, like I'm, I'm, I'm a grace personality. I want to constantly be forgiving. I want to constantly say, well, that's okay. I know. And, and then there are other people that are the truth people. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And we naturally go one direction or the other direction. But you know what? That's not who Jesus was. Jesus was always full of grace, and he was always full of truth. And they are inseparable in Jesus Christ. So growing up, you may have had one parent that was the truth parent. And maybe growing up, you had that other parent that was the grace parent. And whenever your parents were trying to figure out how to deal with us or you as a child... One was going towards grace and one was going towards truth and there was this tension between the parents because it was one leaning one way and one leaning the other way. You see, it's grace that says you're forgiven. It's grace that tells us you're going to be fine. But it is the truth that tells us you have a problem, you're broken, and you have to be held accountable to that. But the beauty of Jesus is we get all of it wrapped up in his glory, and that's what we are to reflect. We have to be grace and truth people. Or as Pastor Gary shared with us last week, uh, um, truth and love. Pretty much the exact same thing of what we're talking about today. And you know what happens when you're a parent? A lot of times as a parent... You want to get to the truth because you got some problems, you got some different things you're dealing with with your kids, and you got to lean to the truth side. And then you know what I've seen happen? You become a grandparent. And then as a parent, you're saying, you have to eat your vegetables at dinner. As a parent, you're saying it's important that you eat a well-balanced meal because you have to have food in your body that then gives you the energy that allows you to grow. And then you become a grandparent. And as a grandparent, you get the grandkids over to your house and truth goes out the window. And you're all grace. Oh, you want to eat a Hershey's bar for dinner? Absolutely. Why don't you have two Hershey bars for dinner? We, we, we laugh because we know that's the truth and we see that played out in our lives time and time again. There are seasons where we're all truth. And then there are other seasons where we're all grace. But Jesus has said, I want you to take grace and truth always and wrap it up inside of you. And you know what happens for us in our relationship with people? We want all of the grace ourselves. 
We want everybody to say to us, oh, you're going to be fine. You're doing a good job. Just keep it up. We're going to forgive, so you're just going to do the best that you can, and we're going to be your cheerleader. But when it comes to other people who may be doing some of the same thing, we expect judgment. We, we um, pronounce their brokenness on top of them, and we say, no, no, no. We're going to only have the truth in this situation. For us, we want all the grace. For other people, we want all the truth. But the beauty of Jesus, it was altogether grace and truth it was all the glory of God wrapped up in the flesh so I'm going to give you some rapid fire scriptures to talk about the glory that John actually saw and then as John saw Jesus of the grace and truth and then we're going to talk about what each one of those actually look like in Exodus chapter 24 verse 17 to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. So whenever the Israelites were looking for the glory of God, they were looking for the presence of God is another way of saying that. What they saw on the top of the mountain it was kind of like a consuming fire. The interesting thing about Moses, though, whenever he saw God in a bush, it was a fire, but it wasn't a consuming fire. We see here the glory of God, the actual presence of God. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the people of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, now with power and great glory. So what, what Matthew here is telling us is at the end of time, when time on earth is ceasing to be in existence as we know it, and Jesus is actually coming back here coupled with the glory of God. Now, Jesus is coming different than he, did this, than he did this last time. His second coming is going to be totally different. He's not going to come, and he's not going to, in that moment, come through the birth of a virgin. And it's going to be some quiet birth that's announced only to the shepherds and from the star in the sky. This is an announcement that everybody will know about. And Matthew says, he's coming with power and great glory. Here we see the glory of God that's wrapped up with power. And then in Mark chapter 13, verse 26, at that time, people will see the Son of Man. Again, Jesus is coming, coming in clouds with great power and great glory. In Luke chapter 2, verse 9, the first coming of Jesus, we see the announcement of God. Jesus hasn't arrived just, he hasn't been seen here yet by the shepherds. They know that he's here because this is what happens. Luke says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Do you see what's happening with the glory of God? It's like a consuming fire. Then there's this power that comes with the presence of God. And here, the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord was shining around them. And here, the shepherds were actually terrified from this glory. So when, when, uh, when um, John tells us he, we have seen his glory, his glory of the one and only Son, God, Jesus, who came and wrapped himself in the flesh, here he's saying the presence of God was 100% all in Jesus. All of it was in Jesus, and we saw his glory. Let me, give you some, let me give you some next scriptures about the grace. So there's the glory. Romans chapter 3, verse 24, Paul writing says, And all are justified freely by his grace 
through the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. So Paul is telling us now about the grace of God, the power of God's grace, different from the glory. We see the glory, and now let's talk about the grace, and what is it that the grace actually does? The grace gives us actual redemption. And then later in this book, in Romans 5, verse 15, Paul says, but the gift is not like the trespass. The truth wants to deal with the trespass. The truth says you are wrong. The truth says you are condemned. The truth says you can never measure up to the actual standard. Then Paul goes on to say, For if the many died by this trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Paul is really, in essence, saying here, the grace of God is never-ending. The image that I get whenever I read this is actually from the 23rd Psalm, where it's overflowing. It's just a constant, overflowing grace that we actually get from God. And Paul is reminding us of this grace, that we are not held accountable to the trespass because of the grace of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul says, In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. God's grace is what sets us free. And then in Ephesians 2.18, Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. We have the glory, we have the grace, and now let's look at some truth scriptures. John, writing again in John 3, 21, says, But whoever lives by the truth comes into the, comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Paul, or John, is saying you have to live by the truth because it is the truth that brings things into the light out of the darkness. It is the truth that exposes things. And here we start to, be, we start to um, discover how grace and truth can actually go together when God came in the flesh, wrapped, uh, wrapped in the flesh in, his, in all of his glory. We begin to see grace and truth measure together here because it's truth that calls things into the light out of the darkness and that it is the grace of God that deals with those things that have been brought into the light so that they then are taken completely away. And we've got this constant grace and truth, just like the salt and water that cannot be separated here in Jesus Christ. Then John writing again in verse 832, chapter 8, verse 32 says, Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Isn't it amazing that it doesn't say the grace? Have you ever thought of that when it comes to this verse? Grace is not what sets us free. The truth is what sets us free. And you know why it's the truth? Because in Jesus, grace always comes with truth. They're not separatable. You, you, you can't separate them. They're always together. Always wrapped up in one. The truth sets you free because it's the truth that exposes it and then the grace that covers it. This is who Jesus was, and this is who we have to reflect. John 14, verse 16, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. One more, one more verse here about the, the truth. 
Romans chapter 2, Paul writing again says, Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. Truth, grace, and glory. The fullness of who Jesus was. Grace, truth, and glory. You can't separate them. You can't divide them. And you can't say, here's one, here's the second, and here's the third. You can't take one without the other showing up. You can't get a drink of this water without getting both water and both salt. You can't look at Jesus without getting truth and grace. The glory of God in the flesh. Full of grace and truth. But have you ever thought about what happens whenever you leave one of those off? Have you ever thought about what happens whenever you focus on maybe two of those but leave one to the wayside? What happens whenever you take truth and glory but you leave out the grace? You get a religious legalism. You want the truth. We demand the truth. We want the glory of God. We want the presence of God. And in the presence of God, we want the truth. But we're going to leave out grace. Folks, that's religious legalism. And here is the strength of religious legalism. The strength of religious legalism is the view of a Jesus who is a bold, unashamed prophet who speaks the truth of God about our sin because he is the incarnate truth of God. God in the flesh, in Jesus Christ, bringing the truth. And there are some folks that champion the truth. They demand the truth, except sometimes when it comes to themselves. The weakness of this view, though, is of a Jesus that is without the grace of God. The grace is absent. And we're left with a God who's just waiting for us to mess up. And then whenever we mess up, when you leave out the grace, you're demanding the truth, you're experiencing the glory, and you've got all of this religious legalism, then whenever you mess up, God picks you up and he bops you and says, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Here's the list of rules. Now do all of these things and you're going to be just fine. Folks, that's religious legalism and that is not the fullness of who Jesus was. And we have to stop being religious legalists and start reflecting the fullness of who Jesus was. If we want to act like this, we are misrepresenting who Jesus Christ was. And it is not the fullness of grace and truth. You see this all the time. You see it all the time. When we miss the grace of God, we're attempting to earn his favor. When we miss the grace of God and we seek our own justification based on our own works and merits, we're leaving out the fullness of Jesus. And you know what happens? We become like a Boy Scout. With all of this merit badges all across our chest. And we think that all across our chest are these badges. And look who I am. And look what I have done. And look all that I have been able to accomplish for my God. That is religious legalism. And that is a lie from the enemy. Because we've taken truth. We've taken glory. And we've left off the grace. And that is not Jesus 
Christ. Jesus was full of truth. He was full of grace. And he was full of glory. The presence of God. You know what happens whenever we take truth and we take grace, but we leave off the glory? We just have a therapeutic moralism. We have this, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, but I'm going to pat you on the back and everything's going to be okay because we've left out the presence. And I think for too long in the United States of America, this is how we've operated with a fake understanding of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Just a simple therapeutic moralism. We're going to do good, we're going to be right, and we're going to pat each other on the back because we've also got grace. But we have left out the presence of Jesus Christ, God actually in the flesh. The strength of, of this view of Jesus is that it is a version of Jesus who speaks truth but warmly embraces and forgives us by his grace. And where's the presence of God? Where's the presence of God? The glory of God. Where is, where is that at? Folks, the whole purpose of Jesus coming in the flesh was to bring his glory full of grace and full of truth. The truth and the grace that fixed the sin problem that came in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. And we can't separate them. We can't divide them. It's truth, grace, and glory. But whenever we leave out the glory, we're just a bunch of therapeutic moralists that are running around without the fullness of the gospel. The weakness of this view of Jesus is that we remain in control of our own lives and we desire our own glory because we're always going to give somebody the glory. And whenever we're speaking the truth and whenever we're extending grace, but we leave out the presence of God, we become a bunch of hypocrites. And this, I believe, is what our culture sees oftentimes, oftentimes in the church today. Just some therapeutic moralists that are doing the best they can. And whenever you don't get the mark, we're going to give a little bit of grace. But we've left out the presence of God, the glory of God. And John said, this isn't who Jesus is. John said he was full of grace, and he was full of truth, and he was full of glory. And what happens whenever we have grace, and we have glory, but we leave out the truth? We just have this liberal, emergent Jesus. Some of you are thinking, I'm a conservative. and Man, I hate this one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not bringing politics into this one. <laughs> I'm not bringing politics into the presence of Jesus. Because that's a whole different view of Jesus. That we've got this triumphant political leader, and that's why they crucified Jesus, because he didn't reach that mark in what they were expecting Jesus to come in. They expected all the glory they had the law. They thought, man, we're good with the truth. They didn't know what grace was. They didn't get that. They had the Day of Atonement. So they weren't certain about these two. They just wanted the glory of God, the presence of God. And that's what sometimes when we're expecting our political leaders to make this change for us, that God's going to all of a sudden be praised, we're wanting all the glory and we're leaving out the grace and truth. That's a whole different view. But here, in liberally, the liberal emergent Jesus, the weakness of this is that without seeing Jesus of truth, we begin to define our own truth. Hey, this is where we're, we're seeing an entire generation in our country that thinks that they can define their own truth. Because they are taking the grace, they want the forgiveness, 
They, they're hoping for the presence, but they're leaving out the truth. And we think, boy, I'm a good person. There's no way that God could ever send me to hell because I'm a good person. And you think that we, we live in a world where truth is truth. And truth cannot change. And you know what? That's exactly right. But the truth is Jesus Christ. Amen? And whenever we leave out the truth... We're just a bunch of liberal, emergent religious people that are running around allowing everybody to define their own truth. And this is where we are at as a culture. We've lived for too long. We've lived for too long without the glory, without the presence of God, that it's now driven us to subtract the truth from who we are. And John said, you can't do that. Because Jesus was the glory of God, full of grace and full of truth. And you don't get to extend the grace. It's he who came to give us grace. And we don't get to define the truth. It's he who is truth. And it is the truth that then sets us free. And we have to make sure that as we reflect Christ, we are reflecting his glory, his grace, and his truth, and we're not dividing this up, and we are reflecting the fullness of who Christ was. Listen, we've got to make sure that we understand who Jesus is. We have to make sure that as we are trying to reflect Christ, we are properly reflecting the glory, the grace, and truth of Christ. So I ask you this question this morning. What version of Jesus are you currently pursuing and reflecting? What version of Jesus do you plan to Live here today, leave here today and go reflect. Are you going to try to separate the salt and the water in the container and lay them all out here across the front of the stage? A container, some water, some salt. And say, boy, today I just feel like this is who I've got to be. I've just got to be all grace today. Today is just a grace day. I don't have to worry about the presence. I don't, I don't have to worry about glory. I don't have to worry about truth. I'm just going to be all about grace. Or maybe today I'm going to take a little grace and truth. I'm going to leave out the presence for just a little bit. I'm just going to be a hip, hypocritical. I'm going to operate today just as this moralist today. Or maybe you've understood who Jesus was and you get the grace part. You've experienced the grace, and it was the truth that allowed you to realize you were never going to be able to live up to what God set the standard as. So you understand the truth, and you've received his grace, but you forgot to bring his presence into who you are. What version of Jesus are you pursuing? What version of Jesus are you reflecting? If we were to give you a test this morning, and you were to write down on this test, on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at in reflecting glory? And a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at in reflecting grace? And on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at in reflecting truth? If you don't get 30, if you don't get 30, 
then you are pursuing and reflecting a discounted Jesus from the Jesus that John was writing to us about. You say, well, how is it that I can, how is it that I can properly experience the presence or the glory of God? And how is it that I can be like Jesus that's full of grace and full of truth? You know what Matthew actually told us in Jesus' own words. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You know what I believe this morning? I believe that the fullness of Jesus has met with us here today. I believe that because of the beauty of who God is, he's been right here with us in this room and in the rooms of those that are watching online. I believe that all of the glory of God, all of the grace of God, and all of the truth of God, the fullness of who Jesus is, is here today. And all we have to do is ask, seek, and knock. And then we'll be able to receive and start truly reflecting the fullness of God. So as we close our service in just a minute, I want you to ask yourself this question. What version of Jesus am I currently pursuing and reflecting? And if it's leaving out grace, glory, or truth, if, if it's separating and saying, I'm doing good in two, I'm not doing good in the other, I've got one down, I've got, no, 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 you're not pursuing and reflecting the fullness of Jesus. And here today is the day to start pursuing the fullness of Jesus. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.